0: The reading this morning before the lesson is Isaiah 21, verses 6 through 11. For, the, for thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go, said a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses and a chariot of camels, and he hearkened diligently with much heed. And he cried, "A lion, my lord! I stand continually, continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward at nights. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen." And he answered and said, "Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken into the ground. O oh, my threshing and." horn on my floor that which I have heard of the Lord of hosts the God of Israel I have declared unto you the burden of Duma he calleth out to me out of seer watchman of, of that of the night watchman of the night what oh, excuse me watchman what of the night watchman what of the night
1: I was talking to a couple the other day, and I was encouraging them to help me uh, do some personal work and to, to help bring some people into the congregation. And so what they decided to do maybe was leaving a little harder than what I was suggesting. They decided just to go ahead and have a baby, and uh, Zach and Alexandria are expecting. And so they're going to be, uh, uh, you know, I don't understand it. How in the world that I could be a grandfather at this young, viral age that I am. But, uh, I guess I'm gonna be. <laughs> and we are so glad that Carl is back with us. <laughs> but, uh, we ask that you keep, uh, uh, keep them in your prayers. This baby's gonna come around sometime in the middle of next year, I believe. And, uh, we may have some more people around here getting ready to uh, uh, have that happen. So uh, we're thankful for that, and uh, we appreciate uh, listening to babies in the audience. I love that. So don't ever think if you bring a baby in here and and it lets out a little noise that that's not bothering anybody. We love to hear that. At any rate, back to our passage. Isaiah 21, 6-11. In 689 B.C., the known world was in fear of its life. The great Babylonian Empire was on the verge of destruction. It was under attack by the Assyrian Empire from the north, what we know as today, modern Turkey. The nations around, though, hoped that uh, Babylon would be able to withstand this attack. They didn't want things to change from the way it was, but that wasn't going to be the case. In fact, Babylon did fall. Uh, the Assyrians won, and the people in the region knew that Assyria would not stop until everyone was under their control. Of course, the geopolitical upheaval of the day is the backdrop to the troubles facing Israel in our text. An attack upon the nation was certain, and so God commanded the prophet Isaiah to take upon himself The mantle of watchmen. The great prophet was to look into the prophetic future and describe what he saw. And that's what he did. Now Isaiah's message was delivered more than 2,700 years ago. But I think we can look into this message and determine that that message is one that needs to be declared even today. Just as from the time... That nations were established. War has happened in the world. Nation against nation. It's happening in our day. As far as I can remember, it has always happened. There's always been a skirmish somewhere in the world, and sometimes those skirmishes turn into really large wars. Of course, there are also still natural disasters, so we have the terrorism, we have natural disasters, we have turmoil turmoil going on in the world, but that's not anything new. That's not anything new to the people of this world. It has always happened. And so every time that a war kicks up over in the Middle East, I don't see that as a sign the world's coming to an end because we're not told... In fact, we are told that there aren't going to be any signs for the end of the world. So I don't get too bothered with that. I don't... I don't want to see wars in the world, but I I don't see any of them as an indication that the world's going to end. And so, things happening to our planet and on our planet is nothing new to the people who live in this world. There's also something that is not new to the people who live in this world, and that is Satan's efforts to destroy every single thing and person whom he can convince to follow him. That's not new to people who live on time side of eternity. That's been going on since Genesis chapter 3, whenever that was. How many ever days or months or whatever the time frame was from the time Adam and Eve were created till the time they were cast from the garden. And because of that, this knowledge that Satan is still looking to destroy people, we need watchmen today. We need watchmen today, and I think Isaiah is a perfect example of that. And the title of the sermon this morning is, Watchmen, What of the Night? We're going to take the title right from the text, and I believe it is the Christian's duty to fulfill the role of watchmen. To watch, to warn, and to tell people about impending dangers, particularly The dangers of sin. Satan has always worked to destroy the moral fiber God has woven into humanity. People are born with a sense of ought. We understand that it is not right to murder your neighbor. It doesn't matter what the laws of the nation are. It doesn't matter what's going on and when it's going on. Normal people are born with a sense of ought That we understand there are certain things we ought to do in this world and there are certain things we should not do in this world. People are born with a sense of wanting to worship. Every culture that has ever been uncovered worshipped something. Now, did they worship the true God of heaven? Not Most of the time they didn't. But they worshipped something because that is woven into our very fabric. And so it is up to the individual to understand there's a god in this world there's a higher power we need to seek him out and we need to understand what he has in store for us but satan tries to destroy that he wants to reach into humanity's moral compass and destroy that moral compass he wants us to believe that we uh came from a single cell amoeba in the uh in the mess some soupy concoction that was uh just happened to come about when the world began to be created, that is just fanciful, isn't it? It takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe in the Bible. Well, that's what Satan wants us to believe. Satan tries to corrupt our moral compass. And I believe that it has gotten pretty bad over the last, say, 50 years. Over the last 50 years, maybe 60 years it has gotten pretty bad. When we came out of the 1950s, of course, I wasn't born until 1970, but I'm a student of history. And the 1960s movement began to happen. uh, Love and peace, if it feels good, just do it. And the moral compass began to decline in this nation. And it continued on through the 70s. And it continued on through the 80s and the 90s. And now we're in the 2000s. And if you like it, then you ought to do it. And everybody else ought to like it as well. I just recently read, and maybe you have too, of a father down in Texas. He and his wife have gone to battle over their seven-year-old son. They had twin boys. And she's trying to turn one of them into a little girl. She's convinced him that he's a girl. She dresses him as a girl. She paints his fingernails, and now she wants to use chemical castration on that boy so he can transition into being the girl that he believes he is. He's seven years old. Satan is having a field day with that. I was just speaking to someone the other day, and or I was listening to a a radio show, and we have a have an actress, I think she is from South Africa, Charlene Theron. You all may be familiar with her, uh, or Charlize Theron. Uh, she has a, a three-year-old something. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but she says that that child is transgender. He's three years old. He has no clue what that word means, along with a whole lot of other words he has no clue, or she has no clue what means. Three years old. But that's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to destroy our moral compass. Do you know 50 years ago only .1% of 18 to 24 year, uh, to 24 year olds uh, lived together without being married 50 years ago? Do you know 50 years ago .2% of 25 to 34 year olds lived together without being married and that percentage has drastically increased in today's world? I think morality in general has decreased. There's a problem in the world. The problem is people turning away from God, they're turning toward the liar Satan, and he's convinced them that living the way they're living is fine, and that it's okay, and if anyone opposes it, it is their problem, not your problem. I think if God's people are going to ebb the flow or stop the bleeding of the problems in this world, the problems in our homes, the problems in our communities, we must watch. We need watchmen. And as we consider Isaiah's role as watchman, and we want to learn from that, let's ask this morning, watchmen, what of the night? What is going on? We're going to learn the history behind that statement. And to better understand our roles as watchmen, I think we need to understand that we have a mission. That's our first point. We have a mission. Verse number 6 of our passage tells us the first aspect of any watchman. It's in the name. We're to watch. We're to pay attention. Of course, in ancient times, like during the time Isaiah wrote, uh, a lot of cities were surrounded by large walls. And if you had the uh, blessing to have been a person who lived behind those walls you were considered one of the fortunate people of the world because they were inside the wall of the city. They had this huge structure that uh, put a a, uh, a shield between them and the outside world. In fact, they had two forms of immediate protection. First, they had the watchman, okay? They had the watchman. And uh, he would be on this wall and he would watch And he would look out and he would see problems and then he would tell those who were around, we've got a problem. He would sound the alarm. You had the wall itself, right? The wall itself, it kept everybody out. It kept the world or it kept the city separated from that which was not good. We read about Jericho in Joshua chapter 6. It had some huge walls around it. In fact, these cities really had an outer wall and an inner wall. And so the uh, uh, the watchman would walk along this wall, or there may even be a place for him to, to sit, and he would watch out. He could see an army coming. He could see the flags being flown. He could see the dust being stirred up. And he would tell the alarm, or he would sound the alarm. But his most important duty was to watch. He had to watch. He had to pay attention to what was going on around him. Have you ever known someone who just went around through life like they had their heads in the clouds? They didn't know what was going on in this world? I know someone that was a close friend of my father's. I grew up knowing his children. I don't even know if he realized he had children or not. He went around with his head in the clouds all the time. His wife had to take care of everything. He wasn't a father. He didn't pay attention to what was going on in the world. But see, a watchman has to pay attention. His duty was to be in the place where he ought to be so he could watch. But secondly, he was to warn. He had to watch and he had to warn. What good is it to see something if you don't tell somebody? doesn't matter, does it? Whether he saw anything or not. He was obligated when someone came along and asked him what was going on to tell them. Warn them if it was good. Warn them if it was bad. Sometimes we need to be warned. Something's good. You need to partake of that. You're missing out on it. And we need to be warned when it's bad. And when trouble did come, he would lift up his voice. He would sound the alarm. And people knew to get ready, to prepare themselves, right? Those who lived outside the walls, they could come inside the building or inside the city before they closed the gates. See, he helped people inside and outside the walls of the city. And I think that same thought is seen in Isaiah 58, verse 1. The prophet said, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression in the house of Jacob, their sins. We're studying the minor prophets on Wednesday night. We're in the book of Hosea. We're going to get over to chapter 8, verse 1, and Hosea is going to say, Set a trumpet... To thy mouth. Tell people. Warn them what's going on in the world. To be a watchman has always been expected among God's people and nothing has changed. Today Christians must set a trumpet to their mouths. They see what is good. They need to declare that. They see what is dangerous. They need to declare that. And they need to warn of transgressions within the city and without the city. Have faithful congregations at one time ever gone apostate? It happens all the time. Why? No one was watching. The alarm wasn't sounded. Something was going on. There was a problem. And we just watched it happen. Paul told the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, He said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye you not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? If there's ever been a time in recent history where watchmen were needed in our nation, in our homes, in our families, and in our communities, I think now is the time. We need watchmen. We need watchmen to warn those outside the church. We need watchmen to warn those inside the church of what Satan's doing in the world. We need to keep an eye on him, don't we? We don't need to forget about Satan. Think things are so good that everything's great. That's what happened to Israel. They were rich. They were safe. And they took their eyes off of God, and they paid a price for that. We need to warn people. We need to understand. Peter talked about him, 1 Peter 5.8. is a roaring lion. He's going about seeking whom he may devour. He's a murderer and a liar from the beginning and the father of lies. We have to be careful with Satan. We need to keep an eye on him. Never turn your back on the enemy, right? That's one of the first things they teach you when you join the military. Pay attention to what you're doing. Don't turn your back. You don't go to battle and then not pay attention to where the enemy is. That's not reasonable. We need good men and women to watch and warn about what they see. Whether it's good or bad. The home and the family are being destroyed by Satan. That is a huge issue in our nation today. I think that may even be the root of our problems. The home and the family is being destroyed. You have husbands and wives and children. They have no concept of submission to authority. No concept. We don't we don't make our children obey. We don't uh, uh, submit ourselves to any kind of a, an authority that we have in our world or our nation. They have no concept of that. One person wrote this. I thought it, thought it was great. Parents have forgotten how to apply the board of education to the seat of learning. You know, my dad didn't didn't forget how to do that. He knew very well how to do it. And you know what? He had to do it very seldom. Very seldom did he have to apply the Board of Education to the seat of my learning because I respected him in authority. What's the result of that? We've got a generation of people who can't even fathom submitting to authority. We have a generation of people who are simply going to do what they want to do whether you like it or not. And you better like it. Or else it's your problem. Now, that's just inside the walls. What about outside the walls? It's even worse, isn't it? It's even worse outside the walls. Those people don't even want to hear about God. At least those inside the walls are opening to open to listening to God most of the time, and they'll pay attention, and hopefully, it'll work. You see what's happening in the world today, and it's and it's it, it's beyond my comprehension, really is the, the, quote, tolerant left, wants the, quote, religious right, just to sit down and shut up, stop believing what you're believing, believe what they want you to believe. Listen, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want us to stop watching. He certainly doesn't want us to stop warning. But we see that the watchman had a mission. We have missions as watchmen, but the watchman, under consideration, also had a method to his work. That's our second point. Verse 7 describes the watchman, as we read it, as being vigilant. Very vigilant. He's described as seeing. He saw, right? He saw something. It also says, he hearkened diligently with much heed to what he saw. I think that's very important. Again, we go back to this idea of... We may see something, but if we do not hearken to it or heed to it, what good does it do to see? I read and used this for an illustration one time when I was preaching on the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a lady, and I fail to recall her name now, in New York City who was murdered at the steps of her apartment building. And the murder came back on three or four separate occasions because she would start screaming and someone flipped flip the light on. He'd run off. They'd flip the light off. He'd come back. They were seeing what was going on. But did they warn anybody? Did they call anybody? No, it didn't happen. So that woman lost her life. In other words, the, the watchman took great care to see and to perceive what he saw he understood what was going on in verse 8 he compared himself to a lion i think that is very interesting i looked at that and i thought i i, I understand the idea of being of guarding something and being a watchman but how does being a lion illustrate watching <clears throat> well i found out and i thought it's very interesting do you know a lion has very short eyelids Even when it is asleep, it looks as if it is watching. So then I understood. We are to watch all the time. We can't take time off from watching. We have to be on our guard against Satan constantly. If we're going to battle the lion, we better have the characteristics of a lion, right? And be watchful. He says that he is in his place both day and night. This watchman didn't leave his post. He stayed there, and he remained to make sure that nothing happened that he didn't see. Now, if we're going to battle the line again, we better be prepared to take on the line. Satan is cunning, and he is very sly. That's what Paul said, Second Corinthians eleven fourteen. And he's going to lie, and he's going to deceive, and he's going to try to trick anyone he can into following after him and simply stop paying attention. It doesn't affect me directly, so I'm not going to pay attention. Have you ever noticed that when uh, we read about a, a group who goes to protest something, let's say a few years ago we had the Wall Street protesters. They went down onto Wall Street and they set up camps and they protested and they didn't like capitalism and all of that kind of thing. Do you know why they were able to do that? They don't have jobs. Okay, they don't have jobs. They don't have responsibilities. And so everyone else in the world or in our nation who has jobs and has responsibilities, here's what we did. And I I count myself among the same group. I was taking care of my business. It wasn't affecting me directly. So I thought they were foolish. Now, we can't all take off our jobs and go have a protest, but we can do it at the ballot box, can't we? We can do it at the ballot box. We can encourage those around us. See, we can't, just because it's not affecting us directly, doesn't mean we just simply overlook it. We have to watch. We have to be vigilant. And for that reason, we must keep our eyes on Satan in vigilance. We need to pay attention. We need to refuse to allow him in our congregations, into our homes, into our families, and into our communities. Ephesians 4 27. But this watchman, he was vigilant, but he was also vigorous. When he saw trouble, he said something. He didn't wait. He said something. He didn't keep the message to himself. Instead, he told all who would listen. Now, if you didn't want to listen, that was, that was on you, right? But he told when trouble came along. I think that's another application. Of the Watchman for us today, when we see the enemy approaching our congregations, our homes, our families, and our communities, we need to tell somebody. I was really proud of the community in which we lived when we were over in Memphis and Cordova. This one particular businessman had established what he called a restaurant, and really, what it was was a was a nightclub for men to go to where women would take their clothes off. And boy, the community stood up against that. They stood up against that. They said, you might do that in, in some places in Memphis, but you will not do it here. And so the building was never opened. To my knowledge it's still, he, he just left. You know, people were watching. They were vigorous. They went to the meetings, to the city meetings in the council meetings, and they made their voices heard. And they understood, those councilmen understood, if you vote the wrong way, it'll be the last time you vote because we're going to get rid of you. See, we have to be vigorous. When we see an enemy approaching, we need to be vigorous. You know what Satan's going to say, though? He's going to say, listen, it doesn't matter. No one's listening to you. No one's paying attention to what you're saying. That's what he wants us to believe. I think that's the message that Ezekiel warned Israel against. Notice what He said in Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9. We won't read that whole passage. But what He said was, You better sound the warning. And if anyone is taken because you didn't sound the warning, their blood will be on your hands, the watchman. See, we have to sound the warning, right? We have to do that. God's attitude toward watchmen, that hasn't changed. He still feels that same way. The watchman had a mission. He had a method. And finally, I want us to notice the message. This is our last point. In verses 11 through 12, Isaiah declared a prophecy against the people of Edom. Now, I want us to understand a little something about this prophecy. This is where we get the title of our sermon. He describes Edom as someone coming up to the watchman and saying, Watchman, what of the night? What's going on in the night, watchman? What are you seeing? Now, people have different understandings of of what that may mean. Some people believe that that question was asked in sarcasm by Edom because the questioner doesn't really care because he's not going to change anything. Some people believe it was asked in contempt because the 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 person who asked doesn't believe what he heard. He heard, he understood what the message was, but he just simply didn't believe it. But you know, it might also be asked by those who are really concerned about what's going on. They may want to know, what about the coming of the dawn? Is there hope? So that's the message. It's a, it's a message of dawn and doom. It's all rolled into one. Regardless of the personality or the position of the person asking, we still have the message of both dawn and doom. For those who do care, for those who want better, for those who want to watch and want things to be good, the morning is is coming. The night is nearly spent. You know what the dawn brought with it? Comfort. It brought comfort. The night was the most frightening part. The watchman couldn't see very well. He couldn't tell if someone was coming. But when the dawn broke, you could kind of relax a little bit. Because in the daytime, the enemy would be more exposed. You could more easily see the enemy. But during the night, it was very difficult. But you still had to watch, and you had to watch even more. But see, that's the dawn. There is hope. We better understand the dawn is coming. And to the faithful, that's comforting thought. To the faithful, the dawn coming is, is what we want. Because to the faithful, the dawn is the Christ coming back, John, uh, John 14, 1 through 3, to gather His people to Him, to usher His people to eternity, to heaven. And that promise is made at the end of the Revelation as well. Revelation 22, verse 20, He said, I come quickly. He's going to come. We better be ready or it won't be dawn for us. But I think the key to understanding that dawn is comforting to the faithful is how do we go about accessing that? Have we obeyed the gospel? Have we, have we believed that Christ is who he said he was? Do we understand faith is, is, is paramount in pleasing God? Hebrews 11 verse 6. Do you understand repentance, though probably the hardest aspect of the plan of salvation is is just as needed as any other aspect, Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized. Repentance is absolutely necessary. Confession that we understand and we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that's what the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts 8. That's what Paul said was demanded in Romans 10, 9 and 10. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and finally immersion in water into salvation. Galatians three, twenty-six and twenty seven, Romans six, three and four. In faithful living. That's the dawn. But if there's dawn, there has to be a doom. If there's light, there has to be darkness. That's just the way it works. And so he spoke of doom. Those who are not prepared, they won't see the the, the dawn won't exist for them. The unprepared will fall into the hands of the living God, Hebrews 10.31. They will fall into the hands and will endure the wrath of a just God, John 3.36. And they will be punished eternally, Luke 13.28. So that leaves each of us with one final thing. The message is dawn and doom. So now we have to make a decision, don't we? Do I want to see the dawn. Or am I willing to take a chance on the doom? The watchman calls the wayward to God. And this is what he's saying. He's saying there's a great danger on the horizon. You don't have to endure the great danger. You can change as long as time exists. And that's what Paul told those in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. He said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now Is the day of salvation, not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not here. All we have at any point in time is right now. Right now. We can't count on anything else. And I think we need more watchmen. More watchmen who are willing to warn of the approaching danger. More watchmen who are willing to advise and give direction on how to avoid that danger. I think we need to warn about Satan and God's enemies as they creep closer and closer to the church, to our families, to our homes, to our communities. We need to stand up and be watchmen. I think the world needs the faithful to stand and be counted with God. Because it doesn't affect us immediately, we still need to warn about it. We're not having anyone, as of right now anyway, beating our doors down, coming in, pushing the homosexual agenda. We don't have people coming in and and disturbing our congregation as we come together to worship. But it is happening. And just because it doesn't affect us immediately, right now, doesn't mean we should not watch and warn. We need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for those things in this life. And that's just one thing. But we certainly need to be prepared for when Christ returns. And we've talked about how to do that. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation, don't wait on the doom. Embrace the dawn as we stand and as we sing.